1: if you don't know Sirius XM then listen up commercial free music plus sports comedy talk and news they have it all and right now you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just one dollar go to siriusxmcom busted to see offer details and to subscribe offer available to new Sirius XM streaming subscribers Sirius XM no car required this is the busted open podcast you can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
0: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, Bully Ray and I talk about Monday Night Raw from last night. We get into Drew McIntyre, get into a lot from Raw, especially, believe it or not, the commentating team and how the wwe could better improve their product for the constant changes that's going on in the world for the viewer at home plus we talk a little aew with lance archer who talks about that tnt championship tournament all that right now on the busted open podcast Honestly, I'm I'm glad to be do- doing this show with you. I'm glad to be
2: day number two of being live with the Busted Open Nation. Very important question for you to start the day. Go ahead. Did you watch Lord of the Rings last night? <laughs>
0: no. I, if I started watching Lord of the Rings after Raw last night, I would still be watching Lord of the Rings right now. So the answer to that
2: question is no. Cody is pissed at you. Oh, he's not pissed, please. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should show you the text. There was no response from Cody on social media last. Not in social media. There will be shortly, though. It's coming. It's a coming, Gollum. It's a coming. Bring bring it on. Bring it on, Cody. (laughs) Bring it on. Let's see what you got to say. All right. So listen, we got to talk about a
0: couple things. And of course, you can find that clip that we're talking about at Busted Open Radio. For those who, you know, weren't up at, you know, 11.58 last night when it was posted. But I digress.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Dropping of the ball. A certain girl dropped the ball. Hmm. Who could it be? Not taking this abuse every single morning. In the first three minutes of the show, absolutely not. I won't Stop. stand for this abuse much longer. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the tower. Okay, I'm on the tower. Not standing for this abuse, Gollum. Okay, take a seat.
0: Bully. What time? What time did our show end yesterday?
2: Uh, we you ended forget? at noon. At noon.
0: Noon. What time was that uh, clip posted on social media? <laughs>
2: Two minutes to midnight
0: (laughs) midnight. All right, I digress, Gabby, we love you Nice Too many Zimas yesterday, Dave? Too many Zimas Oh, hey, got a little bit of a headache Listen, if I could buy it, I would drink it But uh, it's not 1996, though A lot of people had some comments about my Zima uh, post yesterday Bully, thank you for posting that picture That you said you wouldn't post
2: Thanks for posting that.
0: 1997 was calling, and they wanted their Zima
2: back. Look how many people chimed in, though. Like, over 300 comments just on a god-awful picture of you from 1997.
0: It was. It was. was. I definitely had the look of confusion on my face, you know, holding a Zima wearing a hockey jersey. And a lot of people, surprisingly, a lot of posts of people who actually miss Zima. So I don't know if you could get it. Maybe you could get it on special order. But there was my picture with my Zima in hand.
2: All right. So what would you think of Raw last night?
0: I thought it was a good show last night. Was it great? No. Was it bad? Absolutely not. Um, Let me ask you this, Bully, coming off of. And we're going to dive in. We're going to talk all about Monday Night Raw. And we're also going to have a very special guest at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Lance Archer of AEW is going to join us here Busted Open. We've talked to Lance a lot over the years, but this is the first time that we're going to be talking to him since he's joined AEW. Really looking forward to talking to him. But when it comes to Monday Night Raw, let me ask you, now that this is what, the fifth or sixth show that we've seen without an audience uh, for Monday Night Raw, I mean... Is, are you starting to get adjusted to it? Uh, does it still bother you that there's no audience? What, what's your feelings when you're watching Monday Night Raw on Mondays, Bully?
2: It's interesting you asked me that because that's what I wanted to kind of talk about. Uh, it doesn't bother me because I understand the situation that WWE and AEW are in. But for the first time last night, it kind of started to get to me. Like it was it was hard to watch. And this has nothing to do with the in-ring action. Cause like you said, I thought it was a good raw. There was a lot of things last night I saw that really um that I really enjoyed and kind of shocked me. And we're gonna, you know, get into that stuff today. But but having to watch wrestling that is for me inconsequential was a little bit different. Uh, A little bit difficult, and I know people are going to say, well, what do you mean inconsequential? The qualifying matches for the money in the back bank? Yeah, I get it, but it's matches for the sake of matches. It's not like, there's not a lot of deep storytelling, a lot of deep character development. Um, so it's harder for me to get invested. Um, you know, just the other night I posted that video of, uh, shy town heat and, you know, you you go back and you watch something like that and see all of the characters and the stories that came to a head. Um, right now, I don't know if anybody's really grabbing me and if they're really not grabbing me, the lack of the audience. I think last night it just kind of got to me. Like I said, not because of the effort of the talent. The talent's doing a great job with their effort. I think I'm just kind of, you know, it's it, it's kind of, uh, you know, depressing that there's not a crowd there, you know, as much as much as much as you'd like to see one.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, and you said that it really bothered you last night. I felt the same way, but for different reasons. You know, when the show started, it didn't really bother me. But I guess it was somewhere... Like later in hour number one or early hour number two, they were showing footage of Drew McIntyre. And some of the footage was of the last few weeks when it was in the performance center. But then they showed some footage from before everything, before all this happened. And not only was it in front of a live audience, but you actually heard the roar of the crowd. And that's when it really hit me. And it kind of was just like, it kind of just let the air out. of. I was just like, oh. And then that's when I really felt it. And then it became difficult for me, Bully, to watch the rest of the show. As a matter of fact, there was a period where I act, actually had to kind of like change the channel, reset, and go back to it. So it's because it, it was that reminder of what once was. And, and it wasn't even just seeing the crowd. It was hearing the crowd. And then, when I started seeing other matches and other segments without the, I, I really felt it. So I had to step away for a little bit and come back to it. And I almost was like, gosh, I wish they didn't do that. I wish they didn't show those clips because it's a constant reminder of what
2: pro wrestling was just a couple of months ago. In, in using those clips and reminding you of what wrestling was just a couple of months ago, that's the same theory I have when they bring back guys back like Austin and Taker and everything, and you, and you see clips of the Attitude Era. It reminds you of what it once used to be, and you're like, wow, what a difference. And, and, and now you're seeing it now just with, with a different example. I asked myself last night, why do I find myself kind of, I guess, bored, is the right word not because of the in-ring action i just for some reason something is not grabbing me and i'm gonna throw this out at you and tell me what you think aew is going out of their way to make sure that there are little things done to keep their shows unique and entertaining one of those things is having jericho at commentary so jericho at commentary with ski of own Makes it funny, yeah. makes it entertaining, makes it witty, makes it off the top of the head, it makes it unproduced. So just listening to those two go back and forth has me listening. Now, they have the boys around the ring. That's just enough noise and just enough banter to keep me also entertained as to, oh, what are they going to do now? Is Lance Archer going to shot put Marco Stunt into, you know, Billy Gunn and his kid? You know, all those little things that they're doing right now have me a bit more invested in what I see on Raw and Raw NXT or SmackDown. If I watch Rawless and, and I just watched the in ring action, yeah, it was good, man. But I don't, f- I, I, I hate to use the word bored because none of those talents are boring. None of those matches were boring. But I think the overall lack of enthusiasm or the outside of the box thinking when it comes to like, you know, a Jericho on commentary or the boys surrounding the ring, I think those are the little things that have me you know more entertained yes no what do you think and and Monday night raw has done a little bit of that
0: i like when like when zelina vega was on commentary and when you know they they have because you like little... what she was wearing i'm not going to say i didn't but i like her <laughs> <laughs> but i but i really like her on commentary i mean i you know the, we could do an hour on zelina vega and how great she has been lately on monday night raw but you know where i'm getting at i they they need to do more of that I'm not a huge fan of the Monday Night Raw commentary team. And this is not a knock on, you know, on each one individually. It just, it just doesn't feel like they have a lot of chemistry together. And uh, I, I think they need to make a change. And it's even more glaring now that you don't have those other elements like a crowd. They really have to make a change on commentary. I, I, I've I, – listen – I've said this many times on Busted Open. Jerry Lawler is a Hall of Famer. I love Jerry Lawler in the ring. I've never been a big fan of him on commentary, and especially now. Byron Saxton, to me, is somebody that I'm not a huge fan of. They need to make some kind of a switch Uh, with their commentary team on Monday Night Raw, or they need to do a lot more like having, you know, the Street Profits and Zelina Vega a part of the commentary team to really get me entertained and excited about what is going on on the microphone on Raw.
2: The three of those uh, guys at commentary right now, things feel really stuffy with Tom and Byron, and I understand what you're saying about King. I think the WWE should be taking a page out of what AEW is doing right now. Why is Chris Jericho on commentary? Because he's entertaining. He's, he's funny. He's, it's, it's, you want to hear what he's going to say next. If it was me, I'm looking to WWE Hall of Famers to come in every week and guest star on commentary because then you could be saying, hey, um, this week it's going to be this person. This per- week it's going to be this person. And even if you just, you know, rely on the go to people, the Bookers, the JBLs, uh, the Mark Henrys, anybody. So you're still keeping, you can still keep Byron and Tom there because those are your future guys. Even though we might not, you know, think that that's the right mix right now. Maybe we don't think they have the right chemistry. Maybe we don't think that, you know, they're having the right thing pumped into their ears and come out of their mouth because they're so overproduced. And we know Shivani and Jericho and JR and Taz are not. So let's not overproduce these guys because I'm not entertained by what I'm seeing on at Announce. And I know that there's so much more there. I would love to see the WWE bring in a different talent at Announce every single show JBL is entertaining listen whether you like JBL or not the guy when he's talking he's entertaining he could talk about there's so many more things that he can talk about he's not gonna hit the goofy one-liners that that um uh, that that King is gonna hit that just seem to be falling flat right now. I don't know. I don't wanna take shots at King. There's no reason to take shots at King. But when he hits those like those little quips, do you find yourself laughing at anything? Not anymore? at all. No, not at all. Like they're they're like thirty years out of date. Seriously. So because there's, there's a lack of the crowd and they're very limited in what they can do with the roster that they have available to them right now. You got you to gotta use as much smoke and mirrors as possible right now to keep that viewer entertained. I see AEW using those smoke and mirrors. I don't, necessar- I don't, I don't really see it on Raw, NXT, and SmackDown bring Austin in for a day, bring, I don't know, bring anybody, have Devon on announce, uh, have her, you know, anybody, I don't care. Just bring in some different voices, some different perspectives, some different slapsticks, some different comedy, just anything different than what we're getting there now. Because if you, you know, I'm only, I'm only talking about two things, Dave, two things. Announce and the boys are around the ring. And even if the boys are around the ring in WWE, yeah, a bunch of bottom feeders on social media would go, oh, they're copying AEW. Who cares if they're copying There's. AEW? If it gave if it gave the show a, a better vibe and a more entertaining, fun feel, and that's the feeling when you get when you watch AEW, right? It's it's fun. I almost feel like right sometimes that the wwe is taking things a little too seriously right at this very moment i think there needs to be a lot more fun involved does that make sense yeah, I mean, and I think more of the word is
0: entertaining. Like they, they, they need like for a company that their whole mantra is to put smiles on people's faces and to be entertaining. It seems like
2: too stuffy to me. It's a little too stuffy. Oh my yeah. god! Did I use the word stuffy before? Because that's I, the word I wrote down. I wrote down stuffy. Look at that, I, right there, I, stuffy. S T U F F Y, stuffy. stuffy. It's, it's
0: a little, but to use that word, and I don't think you did, but uh, I think it's been a little too stuffy, and there definitely needs to be a change. And quite honestly, Bully, let's just say a couple weeks after AEW started it and the WWE had some of the wrestlers around the ring. Yes, a lot of people on social media, maybe even calling into our show, would be like, the WWE is copying, copying AEW. Then it would die down, and there's let's face it, there's a lot more people watching Monday Night Raw than there is watching AEW Dynamite right now. That's just a fact. So I, don't th- I think that would die down very, very quickly. And as long as it's entertaining and it's making the product a little bit better, I don't think people are going to blame the WWE for trying something that AE- AEW had done successfully.
2: I agree. And I would come on the show and I would put WWE, WWE over for being smart. For borrowing from AEW, because rest everybody borrows from everybody in wrestling. Everybody was talking about that AEW camera shot where the hard camera was shooting the stage in the Tron. Everybody's like, oh my God, AEW is so smart. Look at what they did. Well, no, they didn't do anything except borrow from Ring of Honor, because that's the Ring of Honor shot. Okay, that Ring of Honor has been using since the day they started doing TV. So AEW borrowed from Ring of Honor, and WWE can borrow from AEW if that means a more entertaining um, watching experience at home for the fan. And that's what I'm looking for right now. I'm looking. I'm looking. Just pop me. I don't care how you pop me. Not with a pin. You let all the air out. That's what Dreamer would have said. Um, you know, just pop me. Entertain me. Make me laugh. Yeah. Put that smile on my face. You know, you hit me with that mantra all day long. Put those smiles on my face. Right right now, what am I watching? Wrestling, 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 wrestling. To me, I don't even care about the qualifying matches. Just get to the last two guys and put them on top of the freaking, put them on top of Titan Towers and let them fight. That's what I want to see. I want to see if anybody falls off.
3: This week on World of Basketball, Tony Ronzoni, the director of player personnel at the Dallas Mavericks, dropped by to discuss what it was like scouting a young Luka Doncic.
2: You know, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've never encountered a kid at his age that had me when I walked in the gym and I walked out as, this kid is special. I've never seen a kid with a swag and a no fear factor and a confidence level. He had for a kid coming from a small country, Slovenia, with
4: 2 million people.
0: New episodes of World of Basketball are available every Thursday on the XM app. And Pandora. One thing that really, really bothered me last night, Bully, and I want to get your take, was that segment with the Viking Raiders. You know, formerly War Machine, you know, like, you know, from Ring of Honor, like War Machine. Like, you know, they come to the WWE and the WWE had to change them. Like they always do when they get certain personalities and wrestlers from outside of their world and watching that segment, they were doing the, you know, the karaoke and, and, and like, oh, like I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, these guys are badasses This these these guys are tough guys. Why does the WWE bully always feel like when they got bad asses, they got to change it now with the exception of Brock Lesnar? You know, because that's one where you can put to the side. But whenever they have those tough guys, those badasses, they feel like they gotta clown them up. You know, and I, I and it's not just something that's recent. Well, you know this, this goes all the way back to the Road Warriors. You know, in the WWE, they weren't the road Warriors; They were the Legion of Doom. They had the stuffed animal on the freaking motorcycle, for c- crying out loud. These were the badasses that came out to Iron Man and just kicked the shit out of everybody in 30, sec- 30 seconds to get the pin. And they felt that they had to completely change them when they came to the WWF. So let me ask you, Bully, why does the WWE always feel the need that they got to put their paws on something that's successful before they get there? You read the Bible? I do from time to time, yes.
2: God created man in his image. And in the WWE, Vince McMahon has to create you in his image. Sometimes the image is so much that it's an actual uh, extension of what Vince is. Vince has always been a fan of... uh, I, I think, African-American uh, preachers or the way uh, African-Americans, uh, 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 you know, like the Baptist church kind of aura and that really, you know, you know, happy, you know, joyous feeling. He spoke through Devon in, in, in the Reverend Devon. Vince likes that big boisterous uh, Wall Street type of guy who can, you know, buy his way through everything. JBL. Vince is the guy that thinks that, you know, uh, everybody has a price. Look at the state of Florida right now, the million-dollar man. So Vince has to create you in what he thinks you should be in his image. Badasses are not entertaining in Vince McMahon's eyes. Yes, there is room for a badass, a, a typical pro wrestling 101 badass. That's Brock Lesnar. Let's take a badass as an example and watch what they did to him. Is Drew McIntyre a badass? When you look at Drew McIntyre, do you do you do you see a badass? At times, yeah. Not not in the same vein as a Brock Lesnar, no. Watch this. When you look at Drew McIntyre, the man, let's forget about pro wrestling. Okay. When you look at that guy standing there, is he a badass? Yes. Looks like a badass, right? Damn right he does 6'5 jacked will kick you in your freaking mouth And knock you the trump out When he got to the, Came back to the WWE They tried to do the badass thing with him It wasn't Really resonating that much Then they start to put the microphone In his hands Then he starts to stay little cutesy things. Then he starts doing the Tranquilo thing that he did last night. They're adding little entertaining aspects to Drew McIntyre. Yes or no? They are, yes. Why? Because Vince doesn't need a badass. An entertaining badass, different story. I'll take it. Ah, he makes me laugh. He can kick your ass, but he makes me laugh. That's Vince having to put his spin on things. The Road Warriors. The Road Warriors are probably one of the top three, five most over acts in the history of pro wrestling. Yes, I, I would
0: probably say, yeah, without a doubt, the top five ever. They, they call it the Road Warrior pop
2: for a reason greatest tag team on the in the history of the pro wrestling business no team has even come close and the reason i say that is because the, the road warriors were able to do by themselves what i don't think any other teams were able to do they put asses in seats by themselves okay you put the road warriors name on the marquee people were buying a ticket just to see the road warriors if you yes. put the Rock and Roll Express, did they buy tickets just to see the Rock and Roll Express? I'm not sure. But if it was a Rock and Roll versus the Midnight, yes, I'm definitely buying a ticket. If you put the heart Foundation on the, on the, you know, on the billboard, you're buying for the Hart Foundation? Probably not. But the Hart Foundation versus, let's say, Demolition, you're buying a ticket. Are you buying a ticket for the Dudleys? Probably not. But Dudleys, Hardys, yes, I'm buying a ticket. You get my point on the Road Warriors?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would probably disagree with you about the Rock and Roll
2: Express, but everything else I, I'm definitely on board with. I, I, I definitely understand that you could make an argument for the Rock and Roll Express, but if there was ever one tag team that you could put their name on the marquee and that name is going to sell the ticket, it was the Road Warriors, and that was what makes them the greatest of all time, period. It's their ability to generate money and because you know it's what? a business. And really quick,
0: just on, because uh, I have to say this in, in regards to the Road Warriors, at a time when they were heels, like, the, at a time when they were heels, now they changed to a babyface tag team, but there was a time when they were heels and they would be in the main event. There were times, I know, because I bought a ticket and saw them, you know, in front of, you know, 10,000 fan at the Meadowlands, where they were in the main event where Ric Flair and Harley Race were on the card, and they are in the main event. I mean, I I don't think a lot of fans realize
2: how big the Road Warriors were in the mid to late 80s. So, now, the Road Warriors. Vince finally gets the Road Warriors to come to the WWE. You're thinking, holy crap, it's the Road Warriors. You just let them be the Road Warriors, right? Nope. Vince McMahon didn't create the Road Warriors. So how can you let another creation from another company come in and just beat the crap out of all your teams? What you're basically saying is this creation from another company is better than anything we've ever created here. And he'll never do that. That's why the New Day or the Usos will break the Dudleys record. That's why they changed their name to the Legion of Doom. Yes, they always were known as the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. But they never really—they never used the Legion of Doom. That's what Vince did to them. We're going to call them the Legion of Doom. We're going to put Sonny with them. We're going to change. We're going to get them the makeover with their gear. What, what, what are you doing? You don't you don't I mean, mess with the Road Warriors. Think about you what you're saying. Leave the Road Warriors alone. Think about what you're
0: saying because I don't want to glance over what you just said. But they there was a time Paul Ellering was out and Sonny. Was the manager of the of at the time the Legion of Doom? Think about that. And this is not a knock on Sonny, but I mean, my God, you have the one of the greatest managers of all time. A guy that was just you know, when you think of the Road Warriors, you think of Precious Paul Ellering with the you know the Wall Street Journal in his hand, and they took him out and put in Sonny.
2: Paul Ellering was not entertaining. That's how the WWE would most likely be looking at it. Uh, we, need to, we need to freshen them up. Why did, why did they put Stacy Keebler with, with Bubba and Devon? What was the point?
0: And to be more entertaining, to put a different flip side, a different view,
2: I, I don't know. They need a fresh coat of paint. We need to freshen them up. They need something new. Let's throw the six-foot blonde with them. Not that it didn't work out with her, but what was the point? Why would you put Sonny with the Road Warriors? Even if you wanted to get rid of Paul Ellering and just leave Hawk and Animal alone. Why the new face masks? Did any of these WWE touches really help the Road Warriors? No, they they did that for merchandise reasons because then they were selling the, the
0: foam spike stuff. I mean, like, it's, you know, the WWE has that way. Now, obviously, it's hard to... To say that they're wrong, but this is the company that put Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, one of the greatest baby faces in the history of pro wrestling, and they put him in polka dots and made him a mid-carter.
2: It's impossible to say that the WWE is wrong, and I will never, and I can't say can't. the WWE is wrong because look at what the money that this stuff generated the way Vince wanted to do it. So, yeah, the Road Warriors did business for the WWE in the way Vince saw fit. Dusty did business for the WWE the way Vince saw fit. I can't let the American dream Dusty Rhodes come in here. The American dream Dusty Rhodes is one of the greatest homegrown talents in the history of the business, much like the Road Warriors. What am I going to do? Admit that the American dream Dusty Rhodes is a bigger baby face than my Hulk Hogan guy? Or whoever the big baby face was at the time when Dusty came in? Yeah. This is why I'm extremely grateful to Vince. Because he didn't fuck with us. He never tried to screw with the Dudleys. There were very few people that Vince actually just sat back and went, leave them alone, let them do their thing. Now, why? Why is that? Why were you the lucky ones? There was a couple of lucky ones. And I think that, that and uh, listen... Jericho's a lucky one. Just too freaking over. Just too over. What are you going to do? You debut night one against the Rock, you hang with him on the mic, what do you do? You know, you got these two schmucks in tie-dyes and black glasses with white tape, and they come in, and they got over. Booker T walks in, he gets over. Eddie... Now they, 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 they put some spin on Eddie, you know, the whole Latino heat, him in China, blah, blah blah. They give it a little. But there are some guys who were able to withstand the overhaul or the repackaging, and, and they were allowed to, you know, get as close to that ceiling as possible. Nobody, nobody in the history of the WWE that was not created by the WWE. Ever gets, to the stop, ever gets to the top and is allowed to stay there. They may get to the top and hang out for a little while, but nobody stays there. Wow, interesting. I Think about it. Continue. You're, uh, listen, I, I you're, you're a wrestling historian, you and Dreamer. You tell me who, who has come in from the outside that got to the top that was allowed to stay there. Here are my, here are my examples that you have to compare them to. Taker... Triple H Steve Austin The Rock All homegrown talents The biggest names in the fight game
4: Are on the Akin Barack Show
2: Matchroom Sports Managing Director
4: anyway. This is a global pandemic That is taking hundreds of thousands of lives globally And I feel as much as we love sport, as much as we need live events for our business, we have to wait our turn. But what we can do is make sure that when that turn comes, we're ready. The and Barak Show,
2: weekdays from noon till 3 Eastern, only on SiriusXM Fight Nation, Channel 156.
0: We are getting a new episode of NWA Power tonight at 6.05. Camille makes her NWA debut tonight. On NWA Power, so... she wrestling? um, She's wrestling tonight. Debut
2: of Camille. She better do a good job. Or or the guys that trained her are going to beat the crap out of her. Maybe Camille's somebody we need to get on the
0: show. If she's going to talk to us, you know, she's not... She's the strong and silent type, Camille, for
2: sure. I wish her, I I like the direction her career is going in. I wish she would have never got sidetracked years ago, but I'm glad she is where she is and seems to be doing a good job. Looking forward to seeing her first match tonight on NWA Power. Strongest, the longest. 6.05 Six oh five tonight. Looking forward to that. Also, I needed to make
0: two more points before we uh, go back to the busted open nation. Uh, unfortunately, there was two passings in in our community in, in the world of pro wrestling. Jack Lutz, longtime WWF referee and WWF uh, referee as well, uh, passed um, it, into his eighties. Uh, you know, so many great matches that he was a part of. Most notably of the match when Hogan beat the Iron Sheik in 1984 to become your WWF champion.
2: That was a hell of a three count to make, huh?
0: Oh my gosh, at Madison Square Garden. I mean, that was one of the greatest matches of all time.
2: Conversely, (laughs) the other three count that he made that sticks out in my mind or lack thereof is when Spider Lady beat Wendy Richter. Yeah, the uh, I
0: guess the original <laughs> screw job. Yep. Uh the you know, the uh the New York screw job, if you will. Um, yes, he was a part of that as well. Also was the the official for the uh Roddy Piper uh Mr. T boxing match at WrestleMania two. So uh I thought we, we agreed to
2: never talk about that boxing match again. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that is the last time <laughs> we're gonna talk about that. And Joe Petticino passed away. Uh the word came down yesterday. It uh, listening to Bill after uh, it, it happened Easter Sunday, but the word uh, just broke uh, yesterday that one of the greats, I was a huge fan of Joe Petticino. He had that great show with Gordon Sully, pro wrestling this week that here in New York, New Jersey area, we watched on WPIX Channel 11, but Joe, Pe- Joe Petticino passed away, bully. Sad news. I, di-
2: I didn't even realize that that show aired on Channel 11 in New York. Yep, it sure did. What time
0: did it come on? It came on right after uh, it was AWA- then it was Glow, and then it was Pro Wrestling This Week with Gordon gotcha. Soli and Joe Petticino. And then they had those segments. It was actually Joe Petticino and Bill Aptor used to do it on World Championship Wrestling. They did like their Pro Wrestling This Week segment, but then it was the weekly sh- syndicated show that you could see on WPIX in New York. And I used to, I actually have them, and you're, you're going to kill me on this, bully, but. You know, I, uh, when DVD became the thing, I converted a lot of my VHS tapes to DVD. I have the entire first season of pro wrestling this week that I converted. It cost me hundreds of dollars (laughs) converting my VHS recordings of pro wrestling this week to DVD.
2: No way.
0: I got them all on. I got them all on DVD, man.
2: Are you serious? I I do. Don't make fun. of Oh my god, equality. that's like so boring. No,
0: it's not boring. Pro <laughs> wrestling this week was amazing. So so sad to hear about the passings of Jack Lutz Dr- and Joe Dreamer would have been like,
2: oh my god, that's so great. Can I borrow a copy?
0: I'm actually. I may. I'm taping <laughs> some specials with uh, Tommy Dreamer. Today, this afternoon, that you're going to hear in the 9 a.m. hour right here on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Uh, one being with, uh, we're going to talk about Brock Lesnar and we're going to do some other special programming as well. I may show him my Pro Wrestling
2: This Week DVDs and he's going to be jealous. <laughs> he's the right guy to show. Yeah. <laughs> Not, yeah. That's the right guy to show. You don't, don't show me. Okay,
0: I won't. But I had to talk about it with the busted open nation. Because-
2: no, that's cool. I actually, I actually think that's uh, really cool. I, um, I caught Pedesino a couple of times, and to all the people that you just mentioned, you know, God bless them, and uh, condolences to their families because they were definitely part of our wrestling community.
0: Well, somebody who's not only a part of the wrestling community, but. You know, somebody who is definitely a part of the Busted Open Nation. And sometimes on Thanksgiving, he has to sit at the kiddie table. But we love him nonetheless. Let's go back out to the nation, Bully. And let's go out to Hansie in Toronto. <laughs> What's going on, Hansie?
3: What's going on, guys? How you are you, ahead. buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, uh, to... I was going to talk about what what Raw, what Raw could do to change, but the topic of uh, some of the guys that uh, WWE let be badasses, um, one example of somebody I thought they let him be a badass um, under a new guise. For a bit was from Ron Simmons with the Ro- Nation Domination. I I've been always talking about this. Cause I've been going through Ron Simmons promos from WCW and ECW and all that, and uh, I always felt that he like if JBL could have got a title run late in his career, I thought you should have revisited Rock versus Ron Simmons because you know Rock took over his nation. And I just thought, like, even though he had success with JBL as APA, I always just felt that Rom. Like, even when they do the Legends thing, they bring out past champions. They never really bring out Ron Simmons as the first black champion that, in WCW. They always, they always kind of have him be the guy who comes out and goes, damn, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, uh, with, with, with homegrown guys, I don't think Stone Cold, McFoley, Triple H, Undertaker are really – I mean, yeah, they're WWE guys, but they had careers outside WWE before – they came to WWE. So I don't know if you can count those guys as homegrown, but I guess in the context of what their characters were in that sense. Um, but as far as what uh Raw needs, I listen, I, I would say since the bully said that wrestling borrows from everybody, I thought WWE and AEW should. Take a page out of NWA's book, where like, like, listen, man, we we know there's no crowd there, so there's no point of putting on these fancy entrance musics for every single situation. Why don't you just have like, um, Tom Phillips, um, right in front of the ring, and then two guys argue, and then they go, you 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 want to take it to the ring right now? Let's go to the ring right now. And and, so, and that's one thing about NWA that I really really d- dug. Um, even the old one and like the new one right now, how they kind of just have confrontations right in the ringside area, and then they go and settle there. They have a promo afterward. I thought, like, I, that's one old-school thing, that old-school trope that I really, really dig, by the way. And before I go, by the way, um... Uh, Paul Ellering did come back in '98 after the Sunny stuff. He did it, uh, um, uh, kind of like went sour a little bit. I say the the downturn of um, Road Warriors was when they were um, um, exploiting uh, Hawk's uh, drug problems, and you know, it, and it just it just it, it, if you're a Road Warrior fan, and I, I wasn't a Road Warrior fan, like uh, on the level that you guys were because you guys saw him in the '80s, but even '98 standards, when like you know like Ron, uh, Hawk is like jumping off, like. Trying suicide off the Titantron. I just thought it was a really bad look, like like that, and Scott Hall alcohol problems. I just thought they really exploited that, and that's kind of the downturn for me as uh, a Road Warriors fan. If and,
0: and and Hansy, great phone call, and, and there was a lot of meat on the bone to what Hansy's uh, call was. And thanks so much for it, Hansie. You know, with the Road Warriors, they're going to be a part of the Dark Side of the Ring. They're going to be one of the episodes this season for Dark Side of the Ring. And I'm sure they're going to get into a lot of the problems that Hawk had. They definitely tried their best to change the perception of the Road Warriors, especially in the late 90s, Bully. And then he mentioned about what the NWA is doing with their studio wrestling. We know that there's not a lot of people in the NWA studios when they do their NWA power tapings. And I like the fact that not everybody gets this extravagant entrance. A lot of times it is. Just like the old school Georgia Championship Wrestling, there would be confrontations at that podium with Gordon Sully, And then they would take it to the ring. You know, that's something that they could do. As well, bully. Instead of having like these backstage interviews, have the interviews right right there. There's there's no difference between being backstage now and being there by the commentary table. Maybe they could do more of of what Hansi
2: was talking about. My biggest, the, the one thing that I would like to see the WWE get away from, and AEW has done this a little bit, is the use of the microphones. You use a microphone because you're talking to an arena full of 20,000 people and you want everybody to hear you. You don't need a microphone anymore, okay? If you have guys talking to each other or gals talking to each other out there, just talk. The handheld cameraman's going to pick up all of the audio. It's going to come across more real. We don't need microphones anymore. And I know Hardy and and, uh, Jericho did it. People chiming in on social media. Oh, you must have missed it. They had microphones clipped to their clothing. Okay, fine. If that made the audio better, that's great. But they weren't holding microphones. The NWA went back to an old way of doing business, which we liked because of the nostalgia. But it seems like because of what's going on in these days, because of the Black Plague, that way of doing would be a great way to do it right now. I think you get bits and pieces with AEW. Let's scale this whole thing down to what it is. We're still going to get our TV product, but if I have Zelina Vega and uh, Drew McIntyre promoing each other, then let's have a camera on Drew just like, hey, you got a problem, Zelina? Why don't you come to the end? I don't need him talking in a microphone. Why is he talking in a microphone now? There's nobody up in section 326, row Z, seat 22 that needs to hear him. The only people that need to hear him are the people who are at home. So you pick it up with with the with the with the camera and the handhelds. Well, do you that like Hansy's idea? Little... Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off,
0: but do you like Hansy's idea where, like, instead of having like Charlie Caruso in the back interviewing, you know, Zelina Vega? just do it right out there. Like, you have the commentary, you know, they have the commentary team out there. Let them interview that, and then you could have confrontations out by the podium instead of instead of having this divide now. You had the divide before because you had an arena full of fifteen to 20,000 people. You don't have that right now. So the whole division, your whole setup, and the way that you did it, I think you're right, but it, it's a... You know, clear it off. It's like a chalkboard. Just clear everything you had off. Let's let's do it differently entirely because everything is different. So you might as well that formula that you know X's and O's that formula that I had before. Erase it and let's come up with a new formula at least for right now.
2: Why do you think they do things backstage?
0: Backstage, it's either like it's pre-tape stuff or. You know,
2: it's pre-taped. It's pre-taped. It's because they don't trust certain people to go out there live, live. And you know what? Now's the best time. And I don't care when people screw up promos. I really don't. Because... Tripping over your words in the heat of battle or just in normal everyday... Listen, I trip over my words every day on this show. I don't speak perfectly. You don't speak perfectly. It's just what happens in normal conversation. I don't need a perfect promo. Just go out there and talk. But they'll they'll film things backstage with somebody that they feel needs to be produced. Or, hey, let's do one take and was that good? Yeah, but let's try it this way. It might be, be a little better. Why? If it came out good the first time, let's leave it alone. That's a lot that, that that's reason why you see a lot of things backstage. Because it just there's sometimes there's just a lack of you know, confidence and people out there, I think everything should be done out in the ring as much as possible out live, live in front of the camera as we can do right now because you need anything, anything and everything to hold on to people's attention these days. That lack of a crowd, and I don't think we're getting crowds back anytime soon, but that lack of a crowd is now every week going to slowly... Slowly start to get to people. I already have friends on my Facebook who are casual wrestling fans who are commenting, who are like, "Hey, th- this is getting impossible," and I-, I can't, I can't disagree with them. It's you know, pe- some people might absolutely love it. Hey, maybe, maybe Florida will lift their restrictions pretty soon and say we'll allow 50 people into the Performance Center as fans. Then I would put 50 fans in there. First come, first serve. It'll give it some ambiance. AEW is doing a good job with their ambiance. They really are. Trust me, there's nothing more than I'd like to do is come out here and make fun of Chris because we're friends and making fun of each other is what friends do. He can't make fun of Chris. He's entertaining. You know? And just listening to him talk and blabber. You think Chris Jericho has a script in front of him? No. He's blabbing shows, about what that, he's But see- that's what makes
0: it entertaining. That's why. That's I, and that, If I was in a meeting right now with WWE and we were having this discussion, how can we make this a little bit better for our viewers? Bully! I would bring up the example of Chris Jericho on AEW. I'd be like, "Let's get one of our, you know, one of our top stars in the on the roster, or a Hall of Famer, or somebody to go on there and just react and talk. What, let's get one of our best. Let's get one of our best talkers on the roster now, and let's try to get one of our best talking like Hall of Fame talents. Let's put him put him on the commentating booth with, you know, with Tom Phillips." And let's just let it ride, man. Let it ride. Just let them react and talk like so natural that, that the, 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 the viewer is just going to be loving just what's being
2: said on commentary. Dave, all right, this is going to sound crazy. If somebody said to me, who should be on WWE commentary every week right now? Considering the times that we're in, considering what needs to be done You know who I would put a commentary? Who? Vince McMahon and Steve Austin. Would you tune in just for the commentary? Of course. Do you think Vince McMahon and Steve Austin could get the talent in the ring over? Yes. Now, is there a chance that you're going to be more invested in Steve Austin and Vince McMahon than you are the talent in the ring? Yeah, but you got to do everything you possibly can do to keep a rating right now. Vince McMahon has been one of the best people behind that announce desk ever, right? Yeah. Because he's getting across the stories that he wanted to tell. So if you put the greatest rivalry in the history of wrestling behind the announce table holy crap, what the hell are these two guys going to say to each other? And at, when the time's right, they bicker, and when the time's right, they lay out and tell stories. Oh, hell, you know, these New Day guys, they're really good. You know, they're sitting on eight tag team championships only matter of time before they break the record. Holy shit, Steve Austin just put over the New Day. Instant freaking credibility. And you could, and listen, you could try to do that every week or you, or you
0: switch it around. Hell, I would love to see Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson do commentary for one show. You know, go back to 1982 of, you know, wrestling,
2: you know, of championship wrestling. Like, why not? But give me Drake Maverick and Vince McMahon. Give me Drake Maverick and Steve Austin. Put things up there that just don't belong right now. Throw that shit up against the wall and let's see if it sticks. Because Lord knows that's what the WWE's been doing with their developmental system for years. So why not do it on TV?
0: One and only Lance Archer. Lance, how are you, man?
4: I'm good, man. You expect anything less of me than dominating?
0: No, brother. You you have been dominating, man. And you definitely had one hell of a debut on AEW Dynamite a few weeks ago.
4: (laughs) Oh, you know, just tossing tossing some ideas around and Marco's (laughs) done. And
0: bully's nodding and smiling right now. I mean, so how have, how have you liked the adjustments of uh, being a part of AEW, Lance?
4: It's been it's been fantastic, man. It's one of those things, you know, I mean, we work so hard in this business to accomplish things and to achieve things, and, you know, this is just the next step in that story for me, and it's really good to be back home. You know, I've spent the last eight and a half years in Japan, and Japan was amazing to me. You know, it wasn't a, an easy choice by any means, but it was a choice that I absolutely wanted to make. It was a challenge I wanted to take on, and, you know, it's been absolutely a blast, and everybody there, you know, that was one of the big reasons in making the decision was the amount of amazing people that were already at AEW, the friends that I already knew that were there. And just I never heard one negative thing from anybody. And my experience so far being with the company has been exactly that. It's been amazingly positive.
2: Well, I do have a question for you, Lance, and it it could be interpreted negatively. But before I get to the question, obviously, I've told you before, and I've told our listeners before, I was a fan of yours from the first day I saw you in TNA. You were monster over back there, and as Lance Hoyt, they called it Hoyt a Mania. People were into you. You went to Japan. You did great there with the Killer Elite Squad. I mean, you've you're 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 career has been going very very well and one of the things that I never saw you do was speak but as the years went on I saw you become a better talker and then I saw that that video that you put out there on social media I guess it was before your match against Moxley and New Japan and I was into everything that Lance Archer was saying and I'm saying to myself holy shit this guy is believable this guy can talk. And now you show up at AEW and they put one of the greatest talkers in the world with you. Now, I love right. Jake. Everybody everybody else loves Jake, but managers are there to speak for people. I don't think you need anybody speaking for you. I'm not against you being with Jake. I just want to know why. Uh,
4: you know, like you said, he's one of the best Speakers in this business today, and you know, I, I believe that I've grown in my ability to get out there and say what I need to say when I need to say it. Um, I think there's a, a, a all-in due time scenario right now, you know, and it's, it, I think society, society today is give it to me now, and this is a build towards that, um, you know, and, and the fact that Jay can come out there and says what he says, and the nuances that he can he can produce, in the ways that nobody else in the business is able to do. I'm all for it, you know, and I I think it just helps me transition back into a full-time American fan base. Um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, being in Japan, you know, New Japan uh, branched out and gained a viewership in the United States and around the world that they'd never had before, um, even though it was a company that was nearly 50 years old um, in just the last few years. And, but it was still kind of a very niche audience that was, tuning into new Japan pro wrestling, you know, and, and, it grew and it got bigger and more and more people were watching. Um, but still, I think there's a lot of American fans that are watching AEW, um, that, you know, just weren't watching. I've had so many tweets and whatnot. And they're like, I, I, I remember this guy back in TNA, like you had said, or I remember, you know, my short <laughs> miserable stint with uh, the, the company up North. Um, that's what they remember, and I think this is a good transition, you know, with somebody they absolutely know and they adore, that is Jake the Snake Roberts, and it helps them start to understand who I am and what I'm about. He's doing the talking and I'm doing the killing, and you know, and it kind of transitions from there, and then eventually when that time comes, it'll be my time to speak, and then everybody will be waiting and hearing.
2: You know, I like what you just said about him doing the talking and you doing the killing but Jake is so damn good at what he does. It's impossible for the spotlight not to find Jake. I always say there are those that demand the spotlight, but then there are those that command the spotlight and Jake commands the spotlight. Is there any, is there any uh, nervousness in you or worry in you that you're sharing the spotlight with Jake?
4: Absolutely not, because like I said, once I step in the ring, I think you know, going back to the debut against Marco Stunt in the second week with the poor soul that stepped in the ring with me, and even the match last week with Colt Cabana, and as good as Colt Cabana is, I command the spotlight when I step in the ring. Jay commands the spotlight because is Jake Snake Roberts, and when he speaks, people are listening. But when I step in the ring, people are watching and they're listening to what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. So no, I I have no worries about a loss in the spotlight. I think, you know, anytime there's more than one person out by the ring, there's going to be attention paid to both people, depending on who's out there and what's going on. I was like, but once I step in the ring, I command that spotlight and people are going to watch me and they're going to pay attention to me. And so I really have no worries, you know, the way the tapings went down and whatnot, uh, I was there by myself and there was no share of spotlight while I was in the ring at that very moment. Um, but there is a very much shared spotlight when it comes to the duo that is Jake Snake Roberts and the murderhawk monster Lance Article.
0: Talking to Lance Archer, which you can see and again, the continuation of the TNT Championship Tournament each and every Wednesday night on AEW Dynamite, 8 p.m. Eastern on TNT. And I like what you said about the silent assassin because, you know, Bully and I have obviously talked about this a lot here on Busted Open, and I think, you know, for now you're that silent assassin, but there is going to be that time when you're going to be on the microphone. We talked about your debut in the ring, but I think one of the most important pieces was that production piece that they had of you and Jake with that backyard wrestling scene where there was that backyard tournament where you just completely dominated and really showed what kind of terror you really are. I mean what an impactful piece what a what a great production piece by aew. How did you like that? and did that really think as for me as a viewer, how did you like it and did it really kind of signify that unionship between you and Jake?
4: I think it was great because you know again the, the actual physical debut in AEW for me was simply walking out with Jake. You know, Jake had come the week prior and he'd announced that he had a client. The next week, you know, it was I was with him and it was a very subtle thing. It wasn't it wasn't just in your face. You know, boom, here I am now. It was kind of like, hey, guess what? There's a new kid in town. There's a new dude in town. There's a new monster in town, and you're going to start to pay attention. And that that piece, I think, kind of. Really solidified it. And going back to to Bully's point, you know, the whole spotlight aspect. That was one of the things. Like to that point, especially for the people who hadn't been watching in Japan and didn't know who I was, they were watching Jake. When that piece came out, that piece was all on me. You know, me in the ring, me taking down every single person that stepped in that ring in different crazy and demolishing ways. You know, and Jake sitting back and he's clapping and he's watching, he's enjoying is the. His, his, as the, the carnage takes place, and it kind of really put the highlight on me. So, you know, it's one of those things where there are spotlights that are kind of going back and forth, but ultimately as this grows, the spotlight is on both of us at the same time, and I think that's been the cool aspect. And It's that slow burn rather than that full-on explosion right there at the very beginning that I think a lot of fans seem to want. You know, even when we walked out, I, I think there was some, hey, you know, okay, that was the debut, but it wasn't that – explosive of the debut and it wasn't meant to be it was meant to be that slow burn it was meant to kind of start that kindling and make you start wondering what's going on what's going to happen i want to see what's coming next and each little step that's kind of presented that and that video i think was the first big step towards exactly establishing who i was with aew and who i was going to be in the business
2: Lance, it takes a long time in the wrestling industry to hit your stride and become really comfortable at what we do, and to be able to go out there with a clear head and almost like be like a Jedi, where you're completely peaceful and calm in your brain. Do you feel like you're hitting your stride right now, or did you hit it in the past, but now is your biggest opportunity to capitalize
4: on it? You know, I, I believe my stride really started to hit, especially there at the end of my New Japan stuff. Um, and this is me capitalizing on it with the best opportunity that's ever been presented to me, you know, and, and at this time in my uh, career. And so I'm hitting my stride. I'm at the top of my stride, and I'm not slowing down on my stride at all. But, yeah, you're right. It <laughs> Sometimes it takes some of us a little longer than others. Um, you know, and it took me a, a, a while to kind of figure out who I was, who I needed to be, and that beast, that monster that I should have always been. uh, But, you know, for whatever reason, just didn't know how to capture that and and to portray that. And it's just like in the last couple years, really over the last year, you know, when when my single situation took off in Japan through the G1 Climax Tournament to the match with Moxley at, at the Tokyo Dome, Um, and now debuting with AEW, I think it's really hitting its major stride in a major way, and everybody is paying attention right now.
2: So, if we look at your career, obviously you were with TNA in the early days. Um, yeah, yep. you, were, you were in the WWE for a cup of coffee. You went to Japan. You've yep. been with New Japan for a while. Obviously, you've been with a variety of independents here and there, as time and on. Now you're with AEW. Can you speak to the locker room of AEW and the ownership of AEW? What makes this place the, quote-unquote, special place that everybody has been talking about?
4: I think it's the hunger and desire to be amazingly successful at a time in the business, you know, where wrestling fans want options. They want that opportunity to make their own decision on what they want to watch and how they want to watch wrestling. And, you know, with the Internet and the things of that nature that has helped expand, you know, even independent wrestling uh, to, to one of the strongest times that it has ever seen. Um, AEW is at the peak opportunity with TNT and, you know, signing an extended contract and everything that we're doing right now to move forward in the future of the business of professional wrestling. And I think the locker room, the guys and the girls that are in there are absolutely hungry and want to show the world what exactly they are and how, how good they actually are. And as far as the, uh, you know, the, the management and the people who are running the company, I think it's that same premise. It's like, we're not here just to play around. We're here to make our place, make a statement, and, and make sure that everybody knows who all elite wrestling is and what it's all about. And we're going to be here for a very, very long time, and we're here to change the game in every way.
0: And, and Lance, there's no doubt about that. You know, in the current climate, and this is obviously always a big topic on the show, how difficult of an adjustment has it been for you, you know, wrestling currently with, you know, without an audience right now?
4: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think really doing it uh, this way has kind of taken me back to just, you know, I've been in this business a long time. And there's been several times where I've had to wrestle in front of almost nobody, you know, whether you're talking about the independents or whatever. I've I've done tryout situations with every company that I've worked with that more or less was in front of nobody. Um, And so that's kind of the the mental aspect is going, you know what, you, you go out there, you put the boots on. The music hits, you hit the ring, you do what you do. And right now, especially because you we're working for a TV audience just as much, and, and probably even more so, actually, actually, absolutely more so now because there is no live audience, is that that's who we're performing for. You know, that camera, you're always told, you know, work work towards the cameras, work towards that hard canvas. There's millions of people watching you there where there might be thousands of people in that live audience. And yeah, that live audience gives you that. That different energy because it is a live audience and they were right there right in front of you. But ultimately, you're performing for the millions that are watching at home, um, and I think that that aspect really hits home right now for what we're doing. So again, that music hits. You got your boots on. You step in the ring. You kick some ass, and you just keep going, man. And you know, it, it kind of fades away. But there isn't that audience there. You just you go into work mode. You get into your character mode, and you do what you do. And you, it's, it's going to work, and it's still having fun, and it's still performing. You know that people are watching, um, and I think that's what you do. You go into it mentally thinking of that, but people are still watching. It's not like you're going out there and performing for nobody, and nobody's seeing this. There's millions of people seeing it, and you know that, and you think about that, and then that's kind of what kicks you into high gear when you get out there performing.
2: Lance, as wrestlers, nobody knows us as individuals better than we know ourselves. We know our strengths, we know our weaknesses, and we're able to sit back and look at other talents and go, wow. I know I would have great chemistry with that guy. Not necessarily a great match, great chemistry, great storytelling. If AEW were to turn around to you tomorrow and go, hey, man, the pencil is in your hand. Who do you think you can draw the biggest money with here based on a story, based on a comfort level? Um, Who are you choosing and why?
4: Oh, man, there's so much amazing talent at AEW. That's hard to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I want you to,
2: want you to pick one. You've been around a long time, so okay. you have an eye for talent. So I want to tell me who you right. can sell out a 20,000-seat arena with.
4: Uh, just off the top of my head, if you want to talk about the best mm, crazy match to just think I would have the best chemistry with, Um, just based on the guys that I've worked with in the past and and thinking about those things. um, Pac is one of those guys. Pac is one of those guys that I think he brings that strong style that I like to bring myself. Um, You have the the dual dynamic of the monster and and the the high flyer, the guy that can do all these amazing, cool, crazy things. But he, like I said, he brings that fight He brings that fight, and I love that aspect. I love bringing that fight. And then I like to be able to kind of surprise people with my athleticism as well. You know, when they're going, oh, he's he's just a big beast of a monster, and he's just hitting people and tossing them from one corner to the next, and all of a sudden I climb up to the top and do some kind of cool moonsault or, you know, somersault off the the ring apron or something of that nature that you kind of didn't expect to see from a guy of my size and stature. You know, it's that combination of both of us. That I think if you just threw us both out there, and Pac and I have never stepped in the ring together. We've, we've been on tours together. We've been around each other for many, many years in this business at different times, uh, but we've never actually stepped in the ring together. So just just off the top of my head, somebody that you know I've kind of gone, that would be a fun match just for me personally would be Pac.
2: Well, one. Th- oh, go ahead, bully. You know what? That's a that's a great answer because I was not thinking about Pac, but after you laid it out the way you just did, I absolutely love it. So you just sold me on that match. Great job, you did awesome job, and Lance. <laughs> I know
0: you're going to dominate the TNT Championship Tournament. I know you're going to be crowned the winner and the champion. And then the next goal oh, I know is Cody. You know, so uh, just a bit of advice from me. Not, I mean, you know what you're doing. But when, then, when you do right. face Cody, bring one of those stuffed Ewoks with you and just tear it up in front of him and just go for the throat, my friend. <laughs>
4: hey, quick quick story about that. You know, and we all have to get through this tournament. You know, I, I've taken care of my first opponent. Cody's taking care of his first opponent. Um, obviously, Wednesday, you've got uh, Dustin and uh, Sabian, and you've got uh, Gabar and uh, uh Darby going at it, and we'll see who comes out on top of those, you know, and Dustin wants to talk about retiring if he can't beat Kip. Well, you know, if he, if he you better just go ahead and retire because if he ends up in the ring with me, he's going to wish he hadn't. But, you know, as far as Cody's concerned, here's one of those things. Years ago, when all this first started, as far as the dream that was AEW, you know, when they first did the – they were all in. You know, they, they put everything on the table. They put all their cards on the table – and they they sold out the arena in Chicago. Um, I I tweeted, and you know, for the people who like to go way way back and tweet if they want to look that one up, they can. Um, I tweeted my support towards those guys. And I had no in that fight. There was no, there was nothing beneficial for me. I wasn't going to be on the show. I wasn't trying to get on the show. You know, I was firmly with New Japan, but I saw what it could do positively for the business of professional wrestling. And a lot of those guys did reach out and thank me. And Cody was not one of those guys that thanked me. Ooh. So people have asked, you know, why, why, are, why are Jake and you going after Cody? And, you know, it's one of those things that I think it's kind of a lack of respect moment in this business. You know, I, I tried to just voice my respect to them and what they were doing and what they were trying to accomplish and what it ultimately has become in AEW. Um and instead of somebody like Cody, who, who's been in this business long enough, grown up in the business, his father, you know, his brother himself and everybody, and just reaching out and going, man, I appreciate that. But I never heard that from him. I heard it from other people, but not from Cody. And so, you know, Jake's got his M.O. and his desires to go after Cody. But I have mine as well, and that's one of those things. It's a, it's a small bit of disrespect that existed in the business at a time when all you had to do was go, thank you, man, and it didn't come. So, wow. you know what, if and when... He makes it to the finals. And when I make it to the finals, I'm going to hurt him. I'm going to hurt him in ways he's never been hurt before. I'm not some smart ass with a scarf around my neck. I'm a monster and a beast that he's never faced before. And it's going to be a different game when I step in the ring with him.
0: Awesome. Lance Arch, you can see him every single Wednesday night on AEW Dynamite on TNT. Lance, thanks so much for the time, my friend.
4: I appreciate you guys having me on, bro.
1: Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and